0: The Father Brown Stories by G.K. Chesterton. We present The Arrow of Heaven, adapted by John Scotney, with Andrew Sachs as Father Brown. The items on this
1: list are all items prohibited from being imported into the United States of America. You got any of these?
2: Oh, may I see? Um, no. No. Oh, good heavens, no. No. Good. Anything to declare? Uh, No, I don't think so. Oh, thank you. I hope you've got your umbrella. Your famous umbrella? My umbrella? I I didn't think I had to declare it. Just a little wisecrack. Uh, Uh... a joke, Father Brown, a joke. Oh, but you know my name, but I've never been here before. How know your name, Father Brown? Well, I reckon just about everyone in little old New York's heard of your exploits. Really? <coughs> Father Brown. Yes? On behalf of the Fraternity of New York Customs Officers, I'd like to welcome you to the United States of America. <laughs> oh,
1: Boys! I can tell you Father Brown's clean. <laughs> and I'm sure
3: he'll
2: be happy to answer your questions. No, no, so, Hoffman
3: and the New York Bugle. Hey, Father Brown, how do you explain the recent crime wave in New York City? Uh,
2: huh? Is there one? Is there going to be a war, <laughs>
4: sir,
5: between the German Kaiser and the British Empire? This year? Yeah, Next year? What, what in your
0: opinion, sir, will the American woman be wearing the in 1940? Woman, I would really. I'd no, hear, come
5: on now, Bush. Um, come on. Uh, Give Father Brown a break. Colonel Craig, thank heavens. I've seen my nephew. He's bringing up the automobile out. Outside, Father Brown. Mm. Father Brown, are you yes. staying at Brandon Merton's castle? Castle. Yes, yes, he is, boys. Colonel Craig, are you got any information on the latest measures Mister Merton's taking to catch Daniel Dool? Well, you tell me. I've been away in Europe the last couple of months. Can you tell us where he keeps the coptic cup? Hey? Uh, no comment, boys. No comment. Now, who do you think Daniel Dool is, Father Brown? Uh, Daniel. Uh, now, gentlemen, gentlemen, uh, please. We're only just off uh, the boat. Uh, Father Brown is, is tired. No we we doubt. We'll issuing a press paper, paper later. Come on we'll now. Thank you all. Thank you. Let's wait, Father Brown.
1: Excuse us, boys. Over here, Uncle Hickory, over here. Hi there, son. <laughs> so, you got him away from the newsmen all right. Those boys, I
5: tell you, I'd rather face an Apache war party any day. This is my nephew, Father Brown. Father Brown.
1: Captain Wayne. Oh, how do you do, Captain? It's an honor to meet you, sir. Oh, I hardly think. Well, of... Uncle Hickory says you're rooming with us for a couple of days at old Brander's castle, oh, right? Uh, yes,
2: indeed. Yes, your your uncle and I met on shipboard, and as I had some time to spare before my conference, he kindly invited me to stay with him at Mr. Merton's. But, but what is this
5: about a castle? I didn't know there were any castles in America. Oh, this was Shep Stone by Stone from Scotland. You don't, my sir. old partner, Brander, he has to be mighty careful about his safety, and that old heap seemed pretty well the most secure building he could find. You wait till you see it.
1: Well, now, we'll stop a minute or two here at Mason's Hollow. Oh, Blaster, I thought we were never going to stop. <laughs> well, we've hardly come any distance. Mason's Hollow is only 50 miles from Manhattan itself.
5: Uh, Father Brown, my nephew's an aviator. Ah, uh, his ideas and destinies are based on flying, He considers it soon. Land machines will be as common in the United States as automobiles are now. Oh, really? That is fascinating. Excuse me asking, Captain Wayne, but uh, why, why do you call your uncle... Hickory. Ah, uh, that was a nickname I picked up in the old days. Oh,
1: my uncle's kind of a modest man, Father Brown, but yeah. I can tell you Hickory Crake was one of the most famous Indian scouts in the old frontier days. Oh, He's shucks. something of a living legend. That was before he quit to start trading with old
5: Merton. My nephew exaggerates, Father Brown. Mind you, it's true, I did have quite a lot to do with the engines. Dead. back fact, in the end, that's why I resigned. I got to like the Indians a whole lot better than the guys who were destroying their way of life in the name of progress. Oh, yes. Well, I can understand
2: your point of view, Colonel. Um, there was something else I wanted to ask you, if you don't mind. Fire away. Uh, what is all this business about Daniel Doom and the, uh, the, the, the Coptic Cup? Mm-hmm. Is that a horse race? <laughs> oh,
5: no, sir, it's not. No, sir. <laughs> the Coptic Cup was a sort of chalice, I suppose you'd call it, set with uncut precious stones of various kinds. It goes back, certainly, before the time of Mohammed. It's led to the death of two millionaires who owned it. Oh, I see. And Mr. Merton is the third owner. Is, is, is that why he fears for his safety? Well, that's one reason. Though anyone in his
1: possession has to be careful. If you ask me, it's the main reason. The first victim was Titus P. Tramp, the, the Copper King. Mm-hmm. Seems it was sort of an heirloom in his family. He got these threatening letters from someone calling himself Daniel Doom. Then one day, he was found with his head in his own lily pond. The cup, it was in a bank vault, went with the rest of the property to a cousin of his called Brian Horde. My goodness. And and he, too, got letters signed Daniel Doom? He sure did. One day, he was found lying at the foot of a cliff outside his seaside residence, buried dead. Oh, Oh, man. But the strange thing was the intruder, Daniel Doom or whoever he was, went out of his way to destroy an enormous number of papers, set fire to them, stocks, bonds, that kind of stuff. It left Horde's affairs in a hell of a mess.
5: Horde's widow had to sell the cup to sort out her financial problems. I see, and Mr. Merton bought it, yes. And has he also had
2: threatening letters?
5: I imagine he has. Well, oh, I'm pretty sure, but Brander keeps south to himself these days. No one but his secretary sees his letters, but I've seen him real upset and annoyed with ladders. Ladders he tore up before the secretary saw them.
1: Hey, let's get out of here.
5: See who's coming out of that drugstore? That's that son of a bitch, Dragey. uh Too late. He's seen us. Well,
1: hi there, Colonel Craig, Captain Wayne. Hello. Uh, I'm real
3: glad to see you two. Mm. I don't believe I've had the pleasure, sir. Father Brown? Norman Drage. Hello. How do you do? Uh, will you give me a ride up to the house, Captain Wayne? It's one of my days for a business consultation with good old Brander.
1: All right, you better get in. Uh. Oh, Well, here we are. We have to stop here by the outer wall. Oh,
5: heavens. Oh, dear, what a grim sight. That's Brander's private secretary's idea, John Wendell. He got that set up. It goes right around the grounds with just that one locked door. And that's armor-plated. The wall's cap with steel. You can run a powerful electric current right through it. Good heavens. Yeah. When you get to the castle itself, you have to enter by an enclosed elevator. Having second thoughts about staying with Brander, Father Brander? Oh, far from it,
2: Mr. Drage. It is my duty to visit prisoners and all miserable men in captivity.
5: (laughs) I know what you mean. Brander, me... We used to take our wagons deep into the heart of renegade territory, and he never worried. And now he's as scary as a jackrabbit. And what's the use of all these fortifications? You can't defend against the unexpected. Mm-hmm. Why? Well, I remember once at Fort Bowie, I was there with Brander, a solitary Apache came up, one half-naked brave with just a little knife, under the barrels of 50 carbines, yet he killed a trooper right up on the parapet. What happened? He threw it. Quick as a flash. He threw that darn knife. I... Oh, hey, they've spotted us. They're opening the gates. Come on, let's get inside.
2: It's very kind of you to have me as your guest, Mr. Merton. Not at all. In fact, I'd
4: be glad of your advice. Hickory tells me you've got a pretty sharp reputation with regard to the uh, criminal element, shall we say.
2: Oh, hardly. I'm
4: afraid... I'd be be very glad if you'd join me for luncheon, and afterwards I'd be grateful if you'd have a talk with me in private. When am I free this afternoon, John? At 3.30, sir, just after you finish 3.30 and... is then. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have some private business to discuss with Drage here. Uh, huh. You better come on through, Drage. I assume you won't be staying to lunch.
3: I know how much you'd like, Monsieur Brander, but no, I, I won't. Thank you.
4: I'll leave you with my secretary, Father Brown, while I get this over with. Oh, thank you so much. Come on, Drage. D-
3: excuse me, D- gentlemen. Uh, yes, huh?
4: so
2: Goodbye. I'm very proud to have met you, sir. I've heard a lot about your reputation. Oh, no, please don't mention my reputation, Mr. Wendell. I
0: feel as though I'm some sort of exhibit in a museum. Oh, as you wish, sir. Lunch is at one sharp. Mr. Merton likes his guests to be punctual for meals, I should warn you. Oh. <laughs> After lunch, he generally spends an hour or so with his lawyer. Then I go through the afternoon's programme with him. After that, I leave him alone for 15 minutes. He insists I do that each day at 3.15. Oh, uh, excuse me, uh... Harris? Uh, yes, sir? Harris, Father Brown has an appointment with Mr. Merton at 3.30. Yes, sir. Harris is Mr. Merton's private bodyguard. He tries to make sure the boss is never left alone with strangers. Really? Or, or alone at all, really. <laughs> but um you said he is alone at 3.15 each day. Ah, yes, for a quarter of an hour out of each uh, 24 hours. That is all the real solitude he has. Oh. And that he insists on, and for a very curious reason. Uh, yes, The Coptic cup is hidden somewhere in that room. None of us knows where, but uh, every day he takes it out and... uh, uh, ...worships it, you might say, alone. Oh dear, but isn't that dangerous? Uh, uh, Is there a window? I don't know about these things, but surely someone, knowing his habits, with a rifle... Oh, (laughs) no, 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 there's no window, only a skylight. And uh, that's the only door with Harris on the other side. You've seen the other precautions. The doors are all kept locked, and uh, here's the switch to turn on the electrocuting current round the walls. Oh. And, of course, we're all armed. Oh. It's pretty unlikely Doom could get in, but if he did, he'd never get out.
4: How did you enjoy your first taste of American cooking, Father Brown? Oh,
2: it's quite delicious, Mr.
4: Merton. If you'd like to have some coffee, I'm sure John Wen will be pleased to join you. Oh, of
0: course. Oh, thank Well, you. that's yes. it,
4: then. I'll see you both later. Oh, indeed. Thank you,
2: yes. With uh, cream and sugar, Father Brown? Oh, how kind. Yes, please. Uh, 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 both. Yeah. Um, Mr. Wendell, I hope you don't mind me saying this, but um, I was just thinking, uh, these precautions you've taken... Yes? Well, aren't they a little excessive? Uh, Mr. Merton is, in effect, a prisoner in his own house.
0: Maybe. He does complain sometimes... But this Daniel Doom is is a kind of session with me. My full name is John Wendell Hoard. Hoard?
2: Wasn't that the name of the second victim? He was
0: my father, yes. Daniel Doom killed him and ruined my mother, as well as murdering Titus Trant, who was a kind of uncle to me. When the family went bust, Mr. Merton took me on here.
2: Yes. Yes. I gather this Daniel Doom destroyed a number of important papers uh, at your father's house. Yes.
0: Mm. Seems like when he couldn't find the cup, in his rage, he destroyed anything he could get his hands on. It was a crazy, senseless act. Perhaps. Unless... What?
2: Well, unless it was a deliberate act of cunning. After all, with the destruction of the shares and so forth, your mother presumably had to sell the cup. What? Do do you mean... Well, it it was just a thought. Oh, dear. It's been a tiring day. Um, Would it be possible for me to have a doze in the guest suite until my appointment?
0: Oh, uh, of course. Mm. Father Brown? Father Brown? Mm. Mm. Where am I? Oh. Oh, Yes 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 of course uh, yes if you'll come this way well, thank you uh harris show father brown in will you uh, yes sir uh, this way sir thank you oh.
5: it's father brown for you mr murt jump in jehoshaphat what's the matter oh
0: god have mercy what is it father brown what are um. you what's the matter I I
2: fear you must press your switch, Mr. Wendell. Has he been shot? Well, it depends what you mean by shot. He's got an arrow in his neck, Mr. Wendell.
0: And and the skylight's wide open. Here, let me see. Oh, So it is. Uh, And the Coptic cup. Why isn't the cup here? What's happened to it? Aren't you going to press your switch? I sure am, and I'll set off the alarm, too. Yes. Yes, indeed. Harris? Get onto the roof. He may still be there. Yes,
5: sir, Mr. Wendell. Hey,
3: oh, watch, me. watch where you're going, huh? What the hell's happening, Wendell? I'm afraid it's already
0: happened. Hey, Wendell,
3: who is this little guy? Father huh?
0: Brown, this is Blake Barnard, Mr. Merton's lawyer. He's dead, Mr. Barnard. So
3: Brander's dead, is he? Sorry I can't sound more surprised. I guess we all knew it was going to happen sometime. An arrow from heaven, you might say. Well, you might say that, Reverend. I
0: say let's check the roof. Harris is up there right now. Me? I'm going down to check the guard at the bottom of the elevator. Excuse me.
3: What's this arrow from heaven nonsense? You really believe it's a miracle?
2: Oh, no, no, no. Miracles are never uh, shrouded in mystery. They're really quite straightforward. When I said an arrow from heaven, I was thinking of aviation. Ah, here's Harris. Well,
5: if Daniel Doom was on the roof, he sure ain't there now. I'd best report back to Mr. Wendell.
2: Where is he? He's downstairs talking to the guards. Oh, Harris, when he's finished, would you ask him to have a word with me? Sure thing, Reverend. And by the way, did Mr. Wendell leave this floor at all while I was asleep?
5: Uh, no, sir. No, he didn't. He was here all the time. Hmm. He was in his office when Mr. Merton was with Mr. Barnard here. Then he went to see Mr. Merton himself. Yes. Then when Mr. Merton was... Well, when I guess he was killed, he was with me. Hey, Hey, you don't suspect Mr. Wendell.
2: Do oh, you, sir? Oh, I suspect everyone, Mr. Harris. If you gen- ask him to uh, see me as soon as you can, please as quickly as you can. Uh, yes, sir. Yes. Do you have an address for Norman Drage, Mr. Barnard? I do. He's in an apartment on the east side. I'd like that address. And have you an automobile? Right outside, with my chauffeur. Good. Perhaps you'd be good enough to drive me to the flying field. I believe Captain Wayne and Colonel Craig are both there at the moment. Mm -hmm. And then if you'd drive to a station where I can get a train into New York... Father Brown, I'm I'm getting to like you. You're a hustler. A a hustler? Mm -hmm. Oh, really, a hustler. (laughs) Ah, here's Mr. Wendell. You wanted to see me, Father Brown? Yes, Mr. Wendell. For reasons that I'm sure you understand. You had to be the person I first suspected of murdering your employer. I see. But the actual circumstances of the murder seem to make that very unlikely. Uh, Have you informed Colonel Crake and Captain Wayne of what has happened? Uh, No, not yet. I Ah. was just going to telephone the flying field. Yes, I'd rather you didn't. Uh, Mr Barnard has kindly agreed to take me to the flying field in his motor car. I think it would be best if we broke the news to them.
5: Why, howdy there, Bernard! Hi, Colonel. And Father Brown. This is an unexpected pleasure. Well, I'm afraid Mr. Merton
2: um wasn't able to see me, and Mr. Barnard kindly drove me over. Ah,
5: is Captain Wayne about? That's him up there now. What? He even took me up earlier. They—they they have machines that. That carried two people, then? Sure do. No, Mr.
2: Barnard. Colonel Craig once saw an Indian kill a man by throwing a knife. Is
5: that so? Mm. But I should imagine the bow and arrow was a more common weapon. Well, it used to be. The old Sioux and Comanche Braves could shoot an arrow straight as a bullet. Yes, sir. And do it from the back of a pinto pony. Yeah,
2: but what, what, e- even, even on the moon, uh-huh. they
5: could shoot an arrow accurately? They sure could. As long as you're properly balanced embrace brace yourself. Sounds like you did it yourself, Hickory. <laughs> I had to go a few times, and I guess it wasn't so bad. But that's all ancient history now. Hey, see, here's my nephew Landon. Ah, yes.
1: Peter! Uncle Hickory!
5: We got visitors.
1: <laughs> Father Brown, if I'd known you were coming, I'd have given you more of a show. So you seem to be doing pretty well as it was. Oh, shucks, that was nothing. These kites are amazing. You wouldn't believe how manoeuvrable they are nowadays. Yes, tell me, would it be possible to get within, say, a hundred
2: yards of a tree or a building? A hundred yards? I could get you within fifty yards. You want to come up for a demonstration? Uh, no, 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 not just now, thank you. <laughs> In fact, I've come to make an apology... I'm afraid I won't be able to join you for a meal this evening. Ah. Instead, I'd be grateful if you would meet me at Mr. Merton's house at 8.30. Well, What is this? What's the matter? Well, I'm afraid I'm... I'm very much afraid Mr. Merton was killed. What? Yes, at about 3.25 today.
5: God, God. A
3: pearl.
2: God. How did it happen?
3: By an arrow. Shot down through the
5: skylight. What? By... The- Hey! Now I get it. What the hell? Are you standing up to tell us we murdered my old partner? I don't understand. This clever dick here was asking me all about shooting arrows while you're on the move and all about flying machines that can carry two people? So? Well, don't you see? He thinks you flew me up over Brander's house and then I shot the arrow down through the skylight. I'm not accusing you of anything
2: at the moment, but I would be grateful if you'd join us this evening. Who's there? Uh, hello? Who is it? Mr. Drage. Who the hell are you? Oh, it's you. Oh, do, you do you always greet your visitors with a revolver, Mr. Drage? What do you want? I just dropped by to tell you that Brander Merton has been murdered. Has he?
3: Well, let me tell you, he deserted it a hundred times over.
2: Oh, well, why didn't you murder him then? Why not, Mr. Drage?
3: Hey, wait a minute. You want to know why I didn't murder him? You're a nice sort of clergyman. Hey, if that's your way of saying I did, well, prove it, that's all. As for him, I reckon he was no loss.
2: Yes, he was. I would guess he was a loss to you. That's why you didn't kill him. Even though I'm pretty sure you do know the identity of the so-called Daniel Doom. What do you get now? Would you perhaps agree with me that in the circumstances all Mr. Merton's elaborate defences were a trifle absurd as protection against Daniel Doom? Daniel Doom? Let me tell you, he... Didn't murder Brander Merton any more than you did. You know. I guess, Mr. Drage. I shall be at a little meeting at Mr. Merton's house at 8.30 this evening. At that meeting, I shall voice certain suspicions about you. Uh, These suspicions may well be unfounded... If they are not, however, I suggest you use the next few hours to good effect. Do you understand? I,
3: ah, uh, damn it! Yes, I do understand.
2: But the, good. What? Then you have confirmed what I have suspected. Goodbye, Mr. Drage. I doubt if we shall meet again.
5: I don't like it at all. Come in, gentlemen. Father Brown.
2: Ah, good evening, Father Brown. Uh, good evening, Mr. Barnard. Uh, Mr. Harris, will you join us too, please? Oh, yes, sir. Now, is everyone here?
3: Uh, no, no, I'm I'm afraid Mr. Drage and Mr. Wendell
2: are missing. Ah, uh, not to worry. I saw Mr. Drage and telephoned Mr. Wendell from New York. Uh, I told him he needn't attend.
5: Father Brown, what is this fiasco? I'm perfectly aware you believe Peter and I kill Brander. Oh, I assure you I don't
1: why you practically told us that yeah. no no
2: captain wayne you told me i felt it extremely unlikely that you went careering over the castle in a huge noisy machine while an elderly gentleman leaned out at a perilous angle and unerringly shot a red indian arrow through a skylight but i had to suspect everyone and you had to prove your innocence and how the hell did they do that are you with the hamster barnard You recall how, uh, until they actually knew of the crime, they virtually fell over each other in explaining to us how they could have committed it. Yeah. Until they realized what they were accused of. Now, a guilty person would never have behaved like that. Besides, how did they steal the Coptic Cup? Did they yank it up on a fishing line? But the Coptic Cup is missing. In a sense... But I suspect it still lies hidden in whatever secret place Brander Merton concealed it. I don't believe he ever took the cup out today. Then
3: who did kill Brander? Wait,
2: it wasn't Norman Drage? Yes, you're right. It wasn't Norman Drage. Now, Drage is a criminal, but he didn't commit this crime. He was blackmailing Mr. Merton. What? Yes, his were the letters you saw Merton tearing up, Colonel. Well, he wasn't likely to kill the goose that laid the golden eggs. So? Who did it? Well, Mr. Barnard, you were out of the room when the murder occurred. You Mm -hmm. had plenty of time to go up to the roof and come down. Uh And from what you told me of the nature of Mr. Merton's business affairs, I've no doubt that as his confidential advisor, you could find a way to benefit from his death.
5: This is outrageous. No,
2: no. You were my principal suspect. But then... On the train, I remembered Mr. Craig's story about the Indian uh, throwing the knife, and I realized I'd been a fool. Surely, if a knife can be used as a missile, then a missile, such as an arrow, could also be used as a knife. Sure.
5: Hmm.
2: Brandon Merton was stabbed to death with an arrow pushed into his neck like a poignard.
5: Like a what? But I'm
2: told he kept some arrows in his office as souvenirs of his days on the frontier. He did? He sure did. Why didn't I think? Because, Mr. Craig, if an Indian has a knife, you naturally expect him to stab with it. If a man has an arrow in his neck, you expect it to have come from a bow. Uh, Especially if the murderer has the presence of mind uh, to open a skylight and place the body beneath it. But, gentlemen, before I go on, I, I must tell you the substance of John Wendell's telephone conversation with me. He has given me permission to tell you. He, um, he has gone off to be alone with his conscience. I'm sorry to tell you that John Wendell caught up with Daniel Doom and killed him.
1: Oh, well, I'll be. Good old Wendell. If he croaked Doom, he did a good day's work. Yeah. But Mr. Wayne,
5: did not Daniel Doom deserve a fair trial? You can't blame a man for donning a crook like that, Father Brown. Oh, of
2: course
3: not. No, no. you can't. Say, uh, how did he get him?
2: Huh? Oh, he stabbed him with an arrow. <sighs> John Wendell Hoard, for that was his full name... Holy
3: to me! ...was,
2: he admitted to me, obsessed with catching his father's murderer. Now, Drage somehow discovered that Brandon Merton was Daniel Doom and blackmailed oh, him. Doom! And when John Wendell realized who Doom actually was, partly, I fear, through some hints I dropped, well... He confronted Merton with it. There was a struggle, and he seized the first weapon that came to hand.
3: Brander was actually Doom himself? I don't believe it.
5: Craig, do you believe it? Yes, I do. What? I've known Brander 40 years, and when he wanted something, nothing would stop him getting it, and he sure wanted that cup. Now, he's done some dirty things in his time. But get that, Harris. See who's calling? Yes, Mr. Craig. Mr. Merton's residence. Uh, it's for you, Father Brown.
2: Oh, oh. oh thank you, thank you. Uh, hello, yes? Oh. Oh. Oh, dear me. Oh, yes, thank you. Thank you. Oh. I feel I'm terribly to blame. I... I deeply, deeply regret to tell you... Mr. Wendell has taken his own life. God have mercy
1: on his soul. And on mine. Gosh, oh, golly. Well, I hate to say it, but I reckon that's a relief.
5: What in
1: God's name do you mean? That means that now
5: we can hush the whole thing up, Father Brown. Well, I, for one, am ready to tell the truth to the proper authorities.
3: Oh, no, no, we couldn't have a thing like this, Getty. No, surely not. My like Brander Merton was a thing like the President of the United States. He was a he f- was
2: Daniel Doom, a mad murderer for whom you had no pity, whom you thought was rightly slaughtered without trial. Very well then. If Daniel Doom has got his deserts, Brandon Merton has got his deserts. If that was good enough for Doom, by all that is holy, it is good enough for Merton. Take your wild justice or our dull legality. But in the name of Almighty God, let there be an equal lawlessness or an equal law. I ask poor Wendell to examine his conscience. I feel I must examine mine. I ask you, gentlemen, to do the same.
0: In The Arrow of Heaven by G.K. Chesterton, the part of Father Brown was played by Andrew Sachs. Barnard by Ed Bishop, Harris by Guy Gregory, Wendell by Andrew Branch, Norman Drage by Sean Prendergast, Brander Merton by Richard Durden, and Peter Wayne by Johnny Myers, Matt Crake by Harry Taub, and the customs officer by Tim Reynolds. The Arrow of Heaven... Was adapted by John Scotney, and the director from Bristol was Alec Reed.